Hello, amazing parents and caretakers, and welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your family empowerment coach, Celia Kibler. I'm a mom of a blended family of five kids. I'm a grandma of nine kids, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and a consultant with over 40 years of training and real-life parenting experience. I'm here to offer you practical, doable tips, strategies, and techniques that will pump up your parenting skills and create peace, love, and laughter throughout your family. In addition, I'll be interviewing some great humans that are on a mission to make your life a better, happier, and healthier life. So let's not waste any time and get started with the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. So excited to talk to my guest today. We're talking about resiliency, and it is super important Because, you know, through COVID, through everything, that's so much a topic of conversation of are kids really resilient? You hear it all the time. Kids are resilient. You know, they're always resilient. They can handle all these things. And so let's talk to Dr. Kate Lund, who is an expert, a clinical psychiatrist, and an expert about resiliency in families, and with children. So Dr. Kate, welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, we're excited to have you here because you know I'm always excited. And (laughs) I'm glad to, to talk about this topic because there's so many opinions out there. So would you tell everybody that's listening to start out with, you know, a little more about you how they could connect to you and how you kind of targeted in on, on all of this. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, thank you so much for, for having me again. I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist, actually not a psychiatrist. Right. Um, I, re- I realized I made that mistake. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. No worries. And yeah, folks can absolutely connect with me on my website, which is www.katelundspeaks.com has information on my programs and sort of the work that I do, as well as speaking engagements and courses that I run, that sort of thing. So that's always an option. Um, But, you know, Celia, I've been interested in this topic for a very, very long time. And I, you know, in reflecting back, I'm convinced that sort of my passion for this idea of resilience and what helps us to move through and beyond challenge goes back to my own childhood when I was diagnosed with a medical condition called hydrocephalus when I was four. And that is a condition where the cerebral spinal fluid isn't circulating as it should and pressure builds up on the brain. And, you know, people who have this condition get very, very sick, um, lose their balance, have headaches, throw up, you know, really are very, very sick and can't really function until something called a shunt is put in, which circulates the spinal fluid for us. And so I had that put in at four and really, really effective, worked very well. But the problem is, particularly in, ch- in children, shunts break. And so I spent a lot of time in and out of the hospital as a child, a lot of time missing school, a lot of time coming back to school, looking different, you know, half a head of hair, you know, big glasses, just looking very different and sort of set apart from my peers. 
And so I think, you know, obviously I had to find ways with a lot of support from my parents, my teachers, the parents of friends, friends to move through and beyond those hard moments. But I'm convinced that that is sort of the, the, that those experiences were the catalyst for my interest in becoming a psychologist and the path that I've followed since then. I think that's so interesting. And, you know, I went through a lot of childhood stuff. I had full mouth braces from third grade to seventh grade. Then I had a body brace from mm. eighth grade to 12th grade. So Ooh. I was always in some kind of like brace. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's true. It's like, you have to, you see the world different mm -hmm. and right. other people see you as different. Mm -hmm. And right. I think the world is working towards seeing different as not a, you know, a wall. We're getting right. better by a no means perfect. Right. And that whole perspective is very impactful to a child. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to, as children affected in these different ways, have to figure out ways to be accepted, to make friends, to not feel like, oh, I'm like the awkward, weird kid. And, you know, all right. that stuff goes through a child's mind. Right. And so ultimately, right, to find ways to believe in ourselves or for kids to believe in themselves within their own unique context, whatever that context looks like for them. And, you know, we're all coming from, from different places, but particularly when there's something that really pushes the boundaries of typical, then it becomes so important for that child to embrace their context. Absolutely. And enters resiliency, you know, mm -hmm. enters that flexibility, that ability to change and mm -hmm. not necessarily conform Right. But change so that your world is better. Yes, exactly. And to sort of, you know, focus on what you can do as opposed to the things you can't do and try to capitalize on that in moving towards, you know, potential. And it's it's a process. It's not, you know, a one size fits all. It's not a, oh, okay, I can do this and boom, I'm there. You know, it's it's a process of trial and error and ebbing and flowing. Um, but it's certainly possible. Yes. And, and it's, you know, like you say, it's, it's being flexible, being um, creative. It's, it's mm -hmm. a creativity. Right. In really thinking, well, how are other ways I can connect? And your very important statement about what you can control. Right. Because that's important for all humans. Mm -hmm. is that we can only control ourselves. We can only control us. We can't control what someone else does, says, acts like, reacts like. We can only right. control what we do and how we act and respond and react and, you know, what we do to be a contrib contributing factor to the world, taking right. that responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. That's such a good point. And that really sort of taking that responsibility for our own selves within that context is is really important. And, you know, not, um, you know, that temptation to compare and, 
you know, be beaten down in our minds that, oh, well, my friends can do this and, you know, I can't. And so, you know, there's nothing I can do. And so we want to really change that paradigm and help kids who struggle, help kids who have challenges in any of these ways to really hone in on, okay, well, maybe that's hard, but what can you do and how can we help you to kind of use that to foster forward motion or, you know, maximize your potential within whatever that context is. And, and adding in the parental fear of, I don't want my child judged or made fun of. I, I remember, you know, I have a kid's fitness company that I've had since 1987. And in one of our classes, there was a little girl, she was joining one of the three, four-year-old classes Mm -hmm. and she had a walker and braces on her legs. And I welcome everyone into our classes. Of course. And her mother was very hesitant Mm. because she's like, well, I don't want to make fun of, I don't want, you know, other parents to look at her awkwardly or anything like that. And I said, please join us because I, I, I can't guarantee it, but I'm pretty sure that you will be welcomed. Yes. And it was so wonderful because she had a walker. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yes. so what all the kids, they didn't see that as odd. They mm-hmm. were like, as I'm passing out equipment, passing out balls <laughs> and pass, they're like, where's my walker? Right. How come she gets that? And I'll get that. <laughs> yes. and, and it went on to, and the mother was thrilled and it went on to like, cause she could walk a little bit without mm-hmm. the walker. She, she sure. was able, just not strong on balance. Yes. And th- then, you know, she would give other kids turns to try it. And it just turned mm-hmm. out to be a wonderful experience. And the, her daughter had a wonderful time. And she, I think she realized that, you know what, my child can live yes. a normal life. She can do regular quote unquote things. Yes. So many good points in what you just said, right? And the the one about the mom sort of recognizing the potential, the possibility for her daughter, despite the challenges. And that's so, so important, you know, very, very important for parents to see that possibility because it's so easy for them to get bogged down in the challenge and then get stuck and not be able to see that possibility. So I love that. Other point that that I was sort of thinking about as you were talking was this idea of helping all of our kids to accept and appreciate individual difference and to understand that, okay, we're not all the same. And so that little girl looks different, but who cares? She's still able to do all of these cool things and join us in this class, you know, and really to be okay with difference and not beat kids down as a result of those differences is such an important lesson across the board. I really believe I'm, I'm very, very passionate about that idea. I agree. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about mainstreaming children mm-hmm. into classes. And yes, you know, I, another example, because we've always had children with special abilities in our classes mm-hmm. and we have one little boy who was autistic, non-communicative, And he started in my classes literally when he was one years old. He stopped when he was like 22. Wow. And he, when he was about eight, Mm -hmm. his, his family is very athletic and he was very athletic. 
And he was in my sports and games class with other mm -hmm. eight to 10 year olds. And right. he's also very tall. So it wasn't like he was short, like really tall. His whole family's tall. And I always, you know, would say, would tell his parents and say, uh, wonderful parents, say, you know, I would be willing to bet if I sat down with the kids in those class and asked them if he could speak English mm -hmm. clearly, I bet all of them would say yes. I don't even think they realized mm -hmm. that he couldn't. Interesting. He was yes. so part of the group mm -hmm. and the games and the activities. I don't think they realized that he could just grunt. He couldn't speak yes. words. Right. And he was so accepted and so part. You know, <laughs> I I think the the you know hesitation that shield of unknown mm -hmm. didn't exist. Yeah. He was just accepted as part of part of the gang. Yeah. And that's wonderful. And that's so, so important, right? And to really sort of reinforce that lens for all of our kids is so, so important. But I love that story. That's amazing. And, and a lot of it, I think, is the parent lens. Mm -hmm. And the in any situation with children of all abilities, <clears throat> parents tend to worry so much and fear. Mm -hmm the future. Yeah. Right. And, and reflect on their childhood. So yes. like if something happened to them uh -huh. as a child, like, well, I don't, I don't want this to happen to my child. I don't want right. my child to be in the same situation. How can I keep that from happening? Right. So there's that overprotection sort of tendency that could happen, but I also agree there's sort of a foundational worry that we as parents can have, you know, I, I'll give you an example. We have um, 15 year old twin boys um, and they're, they're best friends. They're very, very different. Um, one of the boys really, I mean, he took a very long time to learn to walk and low muscle tone and really had a hard time. And, you know, over time and, and has had a like harder time than his brother with certain foundational skills, but over time, it's all evened out and he's caught up. And, you know, there's certain subtle areas where he's still catching up, but it it comes into focus, you know, and, and as I reflect back, I wonder if I should have worried so much, right? But, you know, it's it's one of those things and just sort of trusting the process and trusting the doctors in those types of situations. But I think there's a degree for us as parents to really check our worry at points because it's very possible to over worry. And I know that, I know that that's a, a thing with my own parents, you know, they worried a lot and it was very, very hard for them in the difficult moments, particularly, but even when, you know, things were going well, a lot of overprotection. What if you hurt yourself on the tennis court? I, I played competitive tennis because I couldn't do um, contact sports. So we figured out kind of early on that I like tennis. I like, you know, and I, I, I got pretty good. But, you know, if it was too hot out, you know, my mom would make me come off the court and sit in a dark room with air conditioning. That wasn't so good. I mean, that wasn't so good for me at the time. But I understand where she was coming from, right? I hated it then. But, you know, because I wanted to be out there playing in the tournament with my friends. There were oranges and Gatorade on the court. So what could go wrong? She was worried, you know, and 
there's still moments that I think, you know, she worries. I wish she wouldn't, but. I'd like to take a break from this podcast for a moment to talk about what I am so excited about, my life's work, the International Day of Calm, which is coming up on April 5th and the International Day of Calm Summit, April 5th, 6th, and 7th. And I'm super excited that we have 10 amazing speakers. Oh, I guess I'm one of them. (laughs) From around the world that are going to help you to be a calmer person, to resolve relationships, yelling at children, really being responsible for yourselves and your behavior and your actions and your reactions. And we are here to teach you all of that. So I invite you to really decide that on April 5th of 2023, you're going to be calm. Go to dayofcalm.org, pledge the day, say that you promise to be calm, sign up for the summit. It's all free, three days on Facebook and YouTube. You can check it all out, all the classes, all the speakers, and you can even check our initiative out of rescuing a school for the brilliant primary school of Uganda. We are working to build with your help permanent buildings and getting supplies for these kids. They need our help. So go to dayofcom.org, learn what the whole day is about, be a part of making healthier, wiser, and more in control generations for years to come. Thank you. And now back to our podcast. Just is what parents do, but I think keeping a lens on that as parents such that we don't um, hold up what's possible for our kids is important as well, the balance. Right. And, and I think that um, what you brought up earlier too is so important and that's the element of comparing. Yeah. Comparing siblings to siblings, children to friends, children to what your idea of what they should be or where they should be and recognizing that we all develop different. It it doesn't even matter what's going on. We all develop differently for various reasons. I didn't speak until I was three years old. There was nothing wrong with me except that I was a very quiet, good child with two older sisters, a mother and a father. And I would just point to something and they would give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. And when Mm -hmm. my mother asked the doctor, the doctor was like, she doesn't speak because she has no reason to speak. Start right. making her speak and right. she will speak. And I did, <laughs> you yep. know, and it's yeah. even things like that. And, <clears throat> you know, I think in this day and age, they would automatically assume not speaking until three years old, there's something mentally wrong with this child, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just a weird little situation that right. I didn't need to. Right. And I think comparison is also a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. And really sort of consciously not comparing. And to be honest, that's really what we've done with our boys. We've done our very best not to compare because they've just developed in different ways. But the one who took a bit more time is really caught up. So it's, you don't even notice anymore, but you know, it's one of those things where really helping both of the boys, despite the fact they're twins to develop into their own people capitalize on their own unique strengths such that they can really harness and embrace 
their own context, you know, and there'll be some overlap, but there'll be a lot of areas where there is no overlap, overlap and that's, and that's okay. And that's such a good point because it is it's so important for parents to really tune into their children yes. and watch their children and see where their passions and their gifts lie yes. and encourage those and not just assume, oh, well, my child's going to be this right. when my child could actually have absolutely no interest in being what I would like them to be. Precisely. You know? That's a huge point. Yep. Mm -hmm. And and really noticing, really note what is just sit and watch one day. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, my child loves to draw, <laughs> encourage art. You know, yes. they'll they'll show you what they're interested in. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's really, really important to really encourage the areas where there's sort of an aptitude or a passion that you notice, as opposed to saying, well, you're going to be a football player because your father played football in college and that's just what you're going to do. What if that little boy hates football? Right. You know? What if he hates sports in general? What if he wants to sing or act or, you know, do robotics, you know? So it's really important to tune in and to also let our kids experiment with different activities and different angles on where, you know, they might want to go or where their strengths lie, that sort of thing. Right. Because we, we all, we don't know what we don't know. Right. And for a child who is curious and, and needs to see different things that are available to them, it's yes. important to show them. And, and, you know, if, if they're hesitant because of course, different kids feel like, you know, they're a little more anxious about doing things. Some kids are like, but I don't care what it is. I'm, I'm doing it. You know, they have no fear. They have none. My grandson is like that. My grandson has zero fear. Mm -hmm. He is the most fearless human being I think I've ever met at the ripe age of six, but <laughs> I <you> know, love it. <laughs> it's I, not everyone's like that. Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and so the beauty of today is you don't just have books to read about things. You have videos you can show them. You have like, right. say a child doesn't know what instrument they want to play in yes. school. Show mm -hmm. them some videos. Well, maybe they're like, oh, should I play the drum? Should I play the trumpet? What should I play? Look on YouTube, person playing the trumpet. And there yeah. will be somebody playing the trumpet, somebody right. playing the drum, the drums. And, and they can actually do like, pre-research on, you know, helping them along with their decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and experimentation and trial and error and that sort of thing, just really encouraging. And if a child is hesitant to take that first step, really sort of encouraging them to try it and also helping them to embrace this idea that, you know, oftentimes things don't go right the first time out of the gate and it's okay to not succeed the first time out. You know, it's okay. It's actually expected in many ways to have to try something again or come back from another angle. And, you know, that's sort of at the core of what it means to be resilient too. And so helping our kids to understand that things aren't always going to go well, you know, and, and they're not always going to win is another, I think, really important point. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I would say, yeah, I have a fitness company, but I also always say the two important muscles to exercise in your children are their waiting muscle mm -hmm. and their disappointment muscle. 
Yeah. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, welcome to life when things don't go your way. And so right. they need to know that not everything is going to go their way. And don't, exactly. oh, sorry about that. And don't prejudge what they're going to like and not like. Mm-hmm. Give them a chance to try it. Give them the understanding that, you know what? You're not going to be an expert at it the first time you try it. Right. Exactly. Because sometimes that, well, I'm not as good as these other kids. And so I'm not going to do this, you know? Right. And that's the thing that's so important to sort of catch that and then encourage the, the child to move forward anyway, with that idea in mind that, so what, if you have to try again, it's okay. You know, we all have to try again. And I think sharing with our kids, our own challenges, our own, um, you know, uh, points where we've had to start over or try again or not succeeded the first time out of the gate. That whole piece, I think, is very, very important. We have um, we have that uh, very scenario going on now. I'll, I'll, I'll share this. I probably shouldn't share this on the air, but I failed my driver's test the first time out of the gate. It's all right. We won't hold you out. <laughs> and I, I bet a lot of people failed their driver's test about the first time. Don't out. panic. I passed it. I passed it with flying colors the second time. It was all good. It was all good. But the the point here is that my boys are in driver's ed right now. Fun. The fun begins. Yeah, the fun begins. And they they took the written portion of the test. The, the actual driving test is a ways out still. But um, one of them passed it with flying colors and the other one failed by two questions. And so, you know, it, it's it's okay. So for the, the guy who failed, you know, it's just kind of embracing that and and reinforcing because they've, they've heard about some of my um, incidents where, you know, I've had to do something again or something didn't go quite right and I had to like try again. And so I've been very open about that kind of experience over time. And I believe it's been helpful for my one one son who who has had to do the same thing, has found himself in the same same spot. I mean, of course, he wasn't thrilled that this happened, but you know, in all fairness, he didn't actually prepare quite as well as his brother either. So that's a lesson in and of itself because his brother, you know, had a whole spreadsheet and like did all this stuff and shared it with his his twin, but the other one didn't embrace it, sort of a stylistic thing and. I think that was a learning opportunity right. as well. I mean, you make a mistake, you fail. That's when you look at those situations and you go, what can I do different next time? Exactly. You know, people always think failure is the opposite of success. It's part of success. It oh, is I, I not think it's, the opposite. Oh, it's not the opposite. I think, I think, quite frankly, it's the biggest catalyst for success that, that Absolutely. our kids can have, that we all right. can have. And you sharing your experiences, that helps the resiliency because they also realize, well, I'm not alone. I'm not, number one, I'm not the only one that ever failed. Number two, it humanizes their parents. Yes. Because often (laughs) kids think their parents are perfect and they never make any mistakes and they're basically (laughs) akin to God. And then (laughs) you tell them certain things and lo and behold, it's like, Oh, really? That happened to you? Yeah, right. Uh It's great. And and that also helps them become more resilient. Absolutely. Because they realize they're not alone and I'm not the only one. Oh, everybody else passed. And I know, actually. Right. Exactly. Probably not. (laughs) 
Right. Precisely. I think that's so, so important. So that transparency in our relationship with our kids is such a opportunity for, to foster their growth. Absolutely. And, and that's what all helps the resiliency, mm -hmm. the Absolutely. understanding that, you know, it's not so black and white when things, mm -hmm. when we make a mistake, it's okay to make a mistake because that's what is going to keep us learning and growing and revamping things and finding new paths that work better to the outcome that we want to achieve. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really do believe that sort of my own experiences growing up, having to work harder than most to achieve the same results really was a good thing for me in the long run because I kept working harder and achieved better results and never hit that point where, you know, things had always come easily. And then I didn't know how to work. I always knew how to work because I got that memo really early that, well, hey, if you want to succeed, if you want to move forward, you're going to have to really work. And so I had some friends who had everything just sort of fall into place really neatly, really naturally early on. And when they got to college, it was not so easy for them. Yeah, I think one of the best life skills you can or life hacks that you can teach your children is to mm -hmm. always do their best. Yes. Because when you always do your best, the outcome honestly is irrelevant. Exactly. Because you're doing your best. I remember I took a course in college and I thought it was going to be a breeze course. Hmm. And it was called human ecology. And actually that was the school of education that I graduated from. And I thought this introductory course was going to be a breeze. I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about trees and people <laughs> and how people behave and things like this. It was under the heading of resource and agricultural economics, oh. which I missed that. I just knew <laughs> it fulfilled a math credit and I didn't know why. So oh, no. it was basically an economics course. Oh dear. This was seriously the hardest course I've ever taken. And I've <laughs> never studied so hard for a course. And I wound up getting a C. And I was honestly never so proud of that C. Yeah. Of all the grades I've gotten in school, that C I was most proud of because yeah. I worked so hard to get it. And right. and down the school line, I wound up taking micro and macro economics and I Ooh. aced them. And nice. the teacher was like, You should be an economics major. I'm like, no, I actually <laughs> Actually, no interest in it. The reason <laughs> I did so well is because of this course. So I guess I did learn something. But like, I was super proud of that grade. I worked hard for it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we want to be focusing on the effort and the right. work that our kids are putting in. And as long as they're doing their best within their own unique context. Awesome. You know, exactly. Not everybody's going to be an A student. And that's okay. You know, that, it, it yeah. truly is okay. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we have that playing out right here in our house and it's, it's fine, right? It's my one guy is working as hard as he can with his, within his own unique context. He's really improved in so many areas in terms of study habits, work habits. That's all we want. If he doesn't that's have right. all A's, who cares? You know, right. his brother is different and it's, and that's totally fine. And, and so, depending on where they go into life, what they right. wind up doing. Exactly. You know, grades might be irrelevant. Yep. They, you know, you may, <clears throat> you might decide I want to grow up and be an auto mechanic. 
Absolutely. You know, exactly. and, and we all need people of all kinds mm -hmm. to make the world go round. Not everybody is college material. Not everybody needs to go to college. There's a, uh, we, we have to have people in all professions yep. to make this world work. Yep. Exactly. So yeah. encourage your children, help them do the best they can. Yes. Look at their homework. I remember one time when my grandkids were here doing their homework and my grandson's paper was like, you couldn't even read it, honestly. It was like, <laughs> like that, that <laughs> professional word, word, uh, word, uh, scribble, scrabble. So <laughs> it was scribble, scrabble all over the paper. And I stopped them and I was like, if you were the teacher, <laughs> what do you think you would say about this paper? Right. And he was like, I, I, he was in fourth grade and he was like, I don't think she could read it. Exactly. Because <laughs> I can't read it. So right. do you think we could maybe do this over again? So at least she can read the work you've put into it. Right. Yes. yes. And then he did a much better job. And sometimes they just have to realize how that hard work pays off. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a, another lesson, right? And, you know, it just, it takes time to evolve. And exactly. Really good point. Right. And, and all of this leads to your children and you becoming more resilient because yes. sometimes we all need that power of resilience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And right. All of these sort of um, sort of foundational building blocks of resilience, they all apply to us across the lifespan. I mean, we all need to be kind of thinking about these things, how we're fostering our own unique potential, because as we get older, you know, we ebb and flow, we might want to shift directions on our career, do something new, create something new. And that's going to be a process as well. And if we don't get back up, when we fall down, we're never going to know what we could have accomplished. Exactly. Exactly. What what a wonderful conversation. I love this conversation. We could go on forever. Yes. So, but I'm assuming, you know, like I normally do <laughs> that people have other things to do in their life. Right. But I appreciate you guys being here and please share this out if this is helping. Uh, so we're talking to Dr. Kate and she is found in doc in, excuse me, katelundspeaks.com. Yes. Lund, her last name is L-U-N-D. That will be in the show notes when you look up uh, to reach out to her because she is a clinical psychologist and wonderful. And you can tell by this conversation. But what I would like to ask you before we close and we end is if there's anything, one more thing, we talked about a lot of ways when relating to your children or relating to yourself that you can help them become more resilient in life. Mm -hmm. Is there one thing that you can tell the listeners that will really also be extremely helpful in creating more resiliency for them and for their child? Sure. Well, you know, so there's this idea of really believing no matter what in the possibility of our children, for our children, in their possibility as well as our possibility, right? So challenge is inevitable. And sometimes challenge can cloud our vision of what that possibility is. So I just really encourage folks to focus on the possibility, you know, along with the challenge, if there's a challenge involved, 
but really don't lose sight of that possibility. I love it. Hope. Hope. Yes. We all need hope. Yes. And there is always hope. It's, yeah. you know, one day doesn't go so right. Guess what? You get a whole nother day after that. God will. Right. Yes. So I love that. I love that. Just believe in the possibility. That's, that is so that like, that is something if you're questioning it or you don't feel that things can be possible, you should write it somewhere in big letters. Believe in the possibility because that is pure fact. You believe yes. it can happen. It can happen. Yes, absolutely. Well, I've really enjoyed talking to you a lot. And I think this will be great um, for our listeners to really kind of get an idea of how they can help each of themselves be more flexible and more resilient and, and believe, believe in the possibilities and have hope that things will come out right. And for those of you joining us on the International Day of Calm, because I'm going to put this up before the Day of Calm, I want you to tune in, go to dayofcom.org because Dr. Kate will be with us again on Friday. Are you on Friday or Thursday? Friday. Friday, Friday at 9 a.m. in the morning, our final day. And she will be talking more about helping your kids be the best they can be. So helping you stay calm, helping you stay confident. Mm -hmm. As you yes. raise calm, confident children as well, because all of this leads to that. Yes. So join us and join Dr. Kate on Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. The Day of Calm Summit will be on Facebook and on YouTube. You can join from either place. And I'm really thankful that you were here with us today. Thank you, Dr. Kate. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. And for all of you, we both appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with us. Again, share this out if you know someone who's struggling with one of these topics that we brought up. And if it's like, oh, this makes me think of whoever it's making you think of, share it out. Because that that's how we help and support each other. We're a team. We're all here to help each other. We're all role models for our kids, whether we're parents, teachers, just people walking on the street, people on TV, we're all role models for kids. And that's how we're going to help them be the best adult they can be, is to really take interest in them. So as always, guys, I wish you days filled with peace, love, tons of laughter. Really is the best medicine. Laughter is really great and exercises your face and your lungs and your abs abs. It helps your abs. So laugh more because it is the best medicine. And I'll see you here next time on the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast and being a part of my mission to stop a million parents from yelling at their kids. Be sure to head over to pumpeduppparenting.com and grab your free copy of the Patient's Playbook. Wishing there was a manual for your toddler? Well, great news. Now there is. Pick up your copy of Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills, and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, plus my three new children's books, 
at celiasbooks.com. That's celiasbooks.com. If you're loving this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and pay it forward. And also leave a review so I know who you are and can thank you personally. Tune in next time for more tips, advice, and strategies as you continue to pump up your parenting and create childhoods that everyone in your family can blossom from. Have yourself a really happy, fun day. Bye-bye.